From the home offices of Ash and Flow, this is Unbillable Hours, a podcast about professional services marketing. Stick around to listen to our insights, tips, and best practices to improve your firm's marketing and even your career. Uh, another recording in progress, right, Flo? <laughs> yes, here we are again, Ash. Yeah. And listeners, welcome back to this new episode of the Unbuild Blowers podcast, where we have a guest today. Flo, I should say, gone. I should say again, right? Uh, Luke Smyers is with us, friend of the show, I dare say, and founder of The Visible Authority. That is an advisory firm that specializes in helping consultancies hit high performance, right? Fire on all cylinders, as they sometimes say. Would that be correct, Luke? Woohoo, yeah. That... <laughs> hit high performance. Okay, I'll write it down. It's a good description. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Good. You can have yes, that that's free. correct. So, but maybe one one edit to your description is that, <laughs> we'll I'm, that focusing on the, I'm focusing on the mid-market consultancy space. So mid-sized boutique-like consultancies. Yeah. And I think people are welcome to, to find our past episodes with you or hit up the website to learn a little bit more about your history. But it will be fair to say you have seen the large firms as well, right? But now you're working mostly with the yeah. So I had my own consultancy for about a decade and that was acquired by big firm Deloitte. And I stayed there four years and then started all over again on my own doing this, what I'm doing today. Perfect. And in, in that, as part of that mission, you recently had a few things which came to our attention around and i'm careful with the word because we don't actually mm. really like it uh, around productization or maybe we should better say standardization of service delivery of consulting dare i say solutions and that's why we wanted to invite you back because ash you and i touched upon this a couple of times we had a few episodes we've, recently where we've we touched upon it a few times Flo, and i think we've touched upon it in smaller ways over the years as well yeah so and, and we years, have but... Yeah. We've, we've built our body with some what might call a contradictory position where we said once that, hey, you need to have sort of standardized, we call them offerings, right? Stuff to put into the shopping window to yeah. actually enable some efficacy in your marketing. If you have to sell something, not just your capability or your expertise. It has to be packaged. And why we said that. But then we also said, oh, careful with the productization. You know, if you do too much of it, you're no longer a consultant, but the author of a book or someone who has a course or something like that. So, I felt you are the best go-to guy here, Luke, to help us, A, understand how standardization should be done because you have a you there. And also you can probably shine a light or, or, or view it through a how the, through the business lens entirely, right? Because Ash and I just touched upon it from the marketing angle here and there. So maybe can you start, tell the listeners what you understand is standardization and why firms should consider it? Because I think that's the position you, you have in general, right? that it is a good thing to do. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's a good thing. And especially in the boutique consultancy, I would say, because to your point, you talk, you said you guys are more in the in the marketing space and I'm in the business space, but they, of course, are extremely linked. And if they are not in sync, 
with regards to this, then it it won't work because the word productizing, actually, I would put that in the camp of the marketeers and standardization. What you're using is like more in the camp of the business, hmm. but they are, in fact, the meaning of those two words is actually the same. So, so what I always say when I talk about productization or standardization is that it's as you said, it's a service that is standardized. So productized productized service is a service that is standardized, is a standardized offering where a specific service is packaged and priced. It's very important in a predefined manner. And so the predefined manner makes it then streamlining the consulting process by setting clear parameters, deliverables, and pricing. And Maybe we could add and marketing. That's yeah, for not, sure. not in my definition, in the business definition, but it's definitely part of the, as you call it, the business model or the business approach to call a productized from a marketing angle. Yeah. And and this is so what I it actually is. to to your point, I, I I don't like the word productization or productized service that much either, but it translates quite well people immediately then understand that we're talking about that a package true. or a standardization but i i also prefer standardization because that helps a lot in explaining it that it's a predefined uh, process that streamlines uh, the consulting uh, operations yeah now an, an objection we sometimes hear when, when we talk about this thing right but the we often talk about like i said predefining offerings which you could have at the very beginning of a relationship right so to maybe convert someone who is where there is a the beginning of a relationship get them into a first sort of low risk high value type of transaction sometimes you get the pushback of oh you cannot do this consulting is about the specific diagnosis and it's it has to be customized right otherwise it's not consulting so that's presented as an objection to the idea of standardization can i ask what your view is yeah, there is sort of an <clears throat> epidemic allergy against customization, but I'm also, and I understand, right? Sorry. Yeah. A standardization is yeah. like not doing consulting anymore. Now I'm, I must say that maybe my focus in the mid-sized market is somewhat stronger because of all the advantages that it has. And maybe in the bigger consultancies, they are more looking at, oh, standardization is maybe hindering us to sell ours but i mean at that is also a myth because you can sell as much as ours as you want even if it's standardized it just it's all about how you have standardized it and yeah. how you your yeah. process is defined and how you can explain and and justify that against the client yeah. but so i think there is an allergy but there is probably also in the bigger consultancy firms and with I've seen a lot of ego popping up in discussions with clients where they say oh, of course we can do that and and they say yes to something that they sometimes never done before which has hmm. all the consequences of course if your price in the market is extremely high you can say yes a little more without uh, risking <laughs> to lose money 
But again, we are talking here about systemizing, especially in, in, in my space, as much as possible. But we'll come back to that later on, how to do it. And if customization is still possible, where the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I just want, before we get into the reasons or all the goodness of doing it, yeah. I just wanted to pick on one word. You just sit there because you said it's how standardized is your process. And this has been my go-to response to objections of this kind, where I say, well, standardizing doesn't mean there's any customization or flex. There, there is no more flexibility in the process or there's no more customization possible. Quite the opposite. There is there is that. But the idea is to have a standardized and consistent procedure, much like, and I always make this parallel to medicine, like if I need heart surgery, of course, it's highly customized to me and how my inner pipings work, whatever, right? They, they, but the way they give me my diagnosis, the way they set up for operating on me, and then the way they go through the various steps of a procedure, I have no idea how heart surgery works, but that is standardized to a, to a very high degree, right? And and now we can, so it's both. It's, it's comprised of standardized procedures, but it's also customized to me. And I don't know that, if that metaphor is helpful or not. Yeah, that's, absolutely. It is that. always both. And uh, productization doesn't mean that there is no customization anymore because that I think that's where it goes wrong because people then believe you cannot like... Because clients always say, hey, look, we are very unique and we can only work with you if you have like fully customized it to our uniqueness. And, mm. and that is, sorry to say, that's BS, you know, so, it, <laughs> but it is both. And while the framework remains consistent, the application is always yeah. tailored. So it's, it is not addressing a generic problem. You're diving deep into the client's unique uh, business context. However, you do so with, let's say, crystal clear boundaries, um, defining yeah. the methodologies employed, the data benchmarks that, that will get used to predict outcomes, the tools that you leverage, the timelines that are expected. Yeah. So it it is putting guardrails around the way and the process that you do it. And that ensures clarity, transparency, but also a promise of delivering value, all, all while retaining the essence of the customer or the client's specific context. Yeah. So... And yeah. You, you, this just made me think, and I hadn't thought about this before, but it's a bit surprising that there is the allergy you mentioned, because in the nitty gritty detail of delivering a piece of client work, consultants are completely driven by these, right? They, they use standardized frameworks or best practices for specific pieces of analysis or specific ways of presenting a typical result on a typical slide, right? This is all very, it's very common at that level to, to rely on standardization. But to, to our major point for the podcast here, it's not no. so common or at least in the mid-sized consultancies to do that on but, the level of the actual offering or the actual program or whatever it is we're selling, right? It's interesting. So on that one, I don't want to digress too further. That's mostly because the clients are looking for a specific solution rather than how they should solve their problem. It's like looking at the fact that they want a car rather than the fact that they want to get a vehicle to move from place A to B. And mm. so people kind of like mistake that it's essentially, and that's the role of the consultant to take these people into the right kind of vision. And I think, you know, sorry, I don't want to digress further, but that's basically the reason why that happens often. 
it's a, yeah, it's a I prime. think those so, met, those templates, Florian, or the typical management consulting. If you Google that, you get all of them. Yes. Then the, that I think clients are considering that as like just the starting point, and that seems to be okay. So it's like we are using this in the project, but that's about it. Um, yeah. But productization, of course, or standardization, whatever we call it, goes a few steps further. Yeah, yeah it's much higher. In higher up building the consistency yeah. compared to, yeah, we use this model to maybe analyze or do a SWOT analysis or whatever. Yeah. Well, too, and now I finally will ask you about the why or the reasons why you should do it. But we just by terms of example, maybe to clarify this, finally, we've had we've made this comparison, I think, Ash, a couple of episodes ago, where yeah. we were to, tr trying to illustrate what the difference is between selling just your capability, i.e. having no standardized offerings, yep. and then selling something that's standardized. We could say, imagine you are a tax advisor, and you go from, I'm selling tax advisory, which is you selling your capabilities, so you're immediately putting the client in control because they have to tell you what kind of tax advisor they might need, how much they're willing to pay, all that stuff. So you go from there to where you have a standardized offering, which might be, oh, I have this three weeks program, right? Tax burden minimization for family owned manufacturing businesses, which that then is a very standardized. I've made this up on the fly, but I think that's the idea. Look, do you? Yeah, you absolutely. Or? Absolutely. And uh, so if you are, trying to understand the why behind standardization in consulting and especially again, yeah. especially in the mid-sized boutique like consulting firm, then it, it covers the whole spectrum of doing consultancy. And when I tell that story and when I work with my clients and start talking about it, they're always like surprised. And then I am surprised that they are surprised. But so yeah. it starts from easier selling and we, we can go into detail from onboarding the client from predicting the outcomes from building data sets from improving non-linearity so meaning you are more efficient productive in the way you do the whole operations so you hmm. don't have you don't need all the headcount for selling hours to foster a fit more efficient training of new consultants to maybe at the very end of the spectrum to exit and to have IP built based on maybe a data set that is proprietary and unique that you have gathered because you have standardized processes in your in the way that you help your client. So it's yeah. from selling to exiting and everything in between that is affected positively for me affected from the process of standardization so it's far beyond just, just the marketing delivery. part yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right, which is why we invited you here i think so do, do you want to you said we could go into detail do you want to should we yeah yeah so one bit? of the first things that i learned in when i was doing consultancy and not having yet packaged or standardized the, the approach because that's maybe we forgot to talk about, or maybe we can come back on. It takes a while. So it's not like you start tomorrow mm. saying, oh, now we will do productization. That, of course, doesn't work. It You can make that decision, but then it takes you a year, two years. I've actually posted this morning that the full mature, how we say that, making a service 
100% mature may might take you two years and standardization and process optimization belongs to that process, of course. Yeah. But stepping back, what I said, I learned that when we were hiring more and more people, but also trying to cross-sell through other practices within Deloitte at a later stage is that because we didn't package and standardize enough, the cross-selling in the organization was extremely difficult. So it was, of course, highly technical, very advanced analytical stuff, and people were afraid to sell that. So the more you sell, the easier it becomes to explain, the easier it becomes for others to sell it or to refer it or to to test them, to send or write a testimonial about it. So, and then it's easier to build trust. It's often, if it's standardized in that selling phase, it's an objection killer because people say, yes, but they say, no, we have done this already 25 yeah. times and it works. So that's what I learned also. It's an objection killer. And then of course, in the selling process, you can explain what the client can expect, how long it will take, what it costs, and how many people will be involved, how many hours, and so on and so forth. So it makes the selling like almost a machine. Yeah? That That is one of my very biggest learnings. And I, I, like, I like the story because I think that's something people can relate to. Cross-selling often a, a challenge in consultancies, right? And yeah, if you have... Again, I don't want to overstress the tax example, but if you, if all you can say is, oh, we have a bunch of guys who can do tax advisory, right? Your colleagues or the clients for that matter will struggle to figure out how to best use those. If you can say, oh, this is the program we sell. I mean, you mentioned the, that it is an objection killer. I like this idea that you actually even get to the point where there is a, where there are objections and now you can address them. Whereas yeah. if you say, oh, we sell this type of capability, People, to, you don't even get objections because people just don't care. There's nothing for them yeah. to engage with. If you present yeah. and say, this is the program, this is how we would do it, then they can say, oh, but what about this? Or I like it, but this is missing. And then you can, you're already a step further down the conversation. Right? Yeah. I always sense. make the joke to the people saying, oh, we, don't, we only do customized work. I always make the joke that they sit in a pitch and they, in fact, they tell the client, give us this project because we have never done this before. And we really love doing new things. Yeah, that's we love doing new of... things. Yeah. I like that <laughs> so a lot. Yeah, that, That's where I always start thinking, all right, guys, that is actually the message that you're bringing across. And of course, if you're big consultancy and you have, you have like excess capacity, that's maybe okay. And you have a big name and people trust the name, fine. But again, in a regular consulting con context it's that is actually a stupid way of selling <laughs> yeah and also it comes across as lazy if i think that's i, I that's always my point i say okay you you're putting all the work of figuring out how to put you to work on the shoulders of the clients right because if i just have yeah. the capability there's no offering uh, and oh we only do bespoke work now the definition of requirements and all that stuff is on the shoulders of clients. And we, everybody who's ever gone through the process of shaping an RFP, yeah. because you roughly know we have a problem, but you don't know very much about how to be, how to solve it. That's quite a lot of work. Right. And yeah. on the other end, then often on the consulting side, people receive an RFP and they're like, Oh my God, who's written this? They have no clue. Yeah, of course they don't have, you are the expert, but you have given them nothing. Right? Because you hadn't standardized yeah. your solution. Yeah. Okay, so simplify it. You could just say 
standardization is the way to process automation and BAU, basically. Because that's essentially what, what you're trying to achieve, because you need people to work a standard way, right? Yeah, which may, yeah, which which maybe takes us to the next stage after the actual selling loop, right? You mentioned the the delivery, yes, which I think oh, yes, of course, of course, of course. Obvious. So there are a few more things that I learned, and that's why actually through those learnings, which were unrelated from each other, if you list all those learnings, then you kind of get pushed or maybe pulled, I don't know, mm. into rethinking the fact that you sit in front of the client and say, give us a project we have never done before because you get <laughs> confronted like with with all these kind of objections and, and challenges from the client that there is almost, that's my point of view, I'm a little bit blank and white there, but you there is almost no other way than to standardize a few things. And actually, I was just thinking when you were telling a few things, you, you in fact, you don't have to tell that to the client, so you, but that's the marketing side. So productization for me, also big marketing play. But if you're not like ready to say we have standardized because of your ego or whatever, you still would do all these things. And I think a lot of the consultancies are doing that without calling it productization. But yeah. still, yeah. I would go a few steps further because of the productization thinking, yeah? whether you call it, whatever you call it. Yeah. So, so we were at selling, which is like yeah. one end of the the spectrum. <laughs> It'll take a bit and exit on the other side. But there is the, so let me go quickly through it. So there is, of course, the onboarding of the client, um, which in a lot of consultancies is like patchwork, is not yeah. standardized, is not organized. To, you know this, there is like project software where you can integrate the client so client can follow up. And so you instruct the client how to deal with it, what kind of messages and so on and so forth. So the and whole they ignore it and send email because nobody yeah. needs another tool on their computer, right? I yeah, can really, yeah, yeah all is, these things. Yeah. <laughs> it's a challenge, but it's at least standardized in the back end. So that all the steps that a consultancy is doing in the very beginning, onboarding the client into the project, that at least it's on paper and it's done in the same way. Because don't forget, we'll come to that. We need data later on to step-by-step step improve the way that we operate, the way that we do the project, the way that we process all the information and one day then have a proprietary data set where we can where we can re, i always say reduce the variability of our predicted outcomes so that's yeah. the other big learning that is clients are looking for outcomes so they have a problem they're looking for outcomes and the more we can predict by standardization the more yeah. data that we can gather through a standardized process the better that we can predict or start predicting because, again, that takes a while to mature. And that's what I always call it. You have maybe seen it in my articles. I call that the golden triangle, which is mm -hmm. focus, of course, on an expertise domain, then repetition, learning the patterns, and then building a data set on it. So the yeah. focus, repetition, sorry, and then pattern recognition, that's the golden mm -hmm. triangle. And then, yeah, we are at 
one of the most critical from an efficiency productivity but also from what's currently going on in the market is what i call to improve the non-linear growth and that is by standardizing processes and maybe by productizing the way that we are working is that you reduce your dependency to headcount growth so you grow but you don't grow in a similar way so non-linear your headcount and that is so so important these days yeah um, because we live in the era of labor shortage so it's not that easy to find especially yeah. not uh, people at the expert level or at the key account management level or custom development level so you really need to think about doing consulting in a way that it's processed that it's defined standardized so that you can move away from linear growth um yeah De I, decoupling hiring from growing i really like the fact that you describe it that way and not just say use the word scaling because that to me always is something that does never quite work in consult mm -hmm. like the way i understand it's really you, you keep the marginal costs the same or even reduce them yeah. as you ramp up the output in the sales that, that never there's always a there, there's always a link to time and to resources yeah. and that stuff in consulting but that's why i like your way of saying but you're loosening the constraints there through standardization. And I also really like the, the angle with the hiring piece because, yeah, you're right. It's very, if you're a mid-sized firm and you have like two or three senior data scientists who are really good at their stuff and there's demand now, good luck finding two more of those, right? Yeah. Now that all the big firms have huge news releases out, how many billions they're going to spend on their AI teams and so forth, you'll probably struggle to hire someone, but you could also probably increase the productivity of them. Of the people yeah so i had a client this morning and one of the the components of their services is is user-centered design so they are in the ux business or that's part of the work that they are doing and they say we cannot find these kind of people they are either independent contractors or they work for the big uh, digital firms for good money but if you are like somewhere in between then it's extremely difficult to motivate them to come to you because yeah sometimes they, they cost like a hell of a heck of money and so on and so forth so very rare and if you then like grow in a linear way and you need to find people every time and time again then of course you're up for a few sleepless nights that is true yeah. and then so that is about standardization the the word non-linearity is important yeah. and together in fact so it's related is that and that's also something that I really learned and never really thought about. It. And I would say, Luke, why didn't you think about it? But the whole process of hiring new people and training them yeah. up to a, a decent level that you can send them to the client. So improving the, let's say, the learning curve is also something that is really helpful when you have standardized approaches. And even if they are not all standardized, but if you have a high degree of standardization of your processes or your product yeah. or your approach or your services, then that's extremely helpful in getting people on track from a know-how and business standpoint. It makes your 
way of working very teachable, right? Which then also goes to the hiring component Definitely. or the, the nonlinear growth component. Maybe you don't even need the senior data scientist, whatever I had as an example, right? Because you can train someone much younger or less proficient up to a degree of proficiency pretty quickly now that you have it. Yeah, like I like Definitely. that a lot. Yeah. Does that bring us to the exit component of the, we were going through the why <laughs> yeah, here? Or we have arrived at the exit component. Oh, yes, yeah. okay. <laughs> I, I was actually involved a while ago in, so I was asked by an investor, they were about to buy a mid-sized consultancy, a nice company. And so I was asked to help them with the assessment. And one thing that they are they were looking at was data. And it was, of course, very clear that if you keep telling the clients, give us the work because we have never done that before and we love it, we love to do things that we never done before, then of course you can forget it from an exit or IP or propriety data set. And of course, there is more than only data set, but that was something that they were looking at because they said to me that that was one of the biggest kind of insurance. How can you say that, Florian? Help me out. So it was like a future insurance for growth. Yeah, um, it's, and it increases the upside or it decreases the risk the buyer indeed. is taking. So, yeah. in, and so they were asking all kinds of questions to really understand that whether the, the consultant had created this distinct propriety data set, which also, of course, strengthens the credibility of a consultancy and also encourages the clients, of course, to participate in the data analysis and the benchmarking and the evaluation based on such a data set. And so it, by productizing services or standardizer, you streamline the whole process of collecting data uniformly yeah. across all your clients. And that was what they were looking at. I will never forget because they spent quite a bit of time understanding the the data. Well, they probably knew what you can read every day these days that, you know, proprietary first party data in, in an age of AI, I'm not sure we are in the age of AI, but there are arguments for it. And this becomes even more valuable, right? Because you can nowadays yeah. train all kinds of things to, yeah. on top of what you just said, just the general de-risking and really knowing yeah. the stuff and growing the expertise. But yeah, I can see why they would value that so highly, or maybe even more highly than previously. Yeah, that makes, yeah, absolutely. Makes and so the collection of the data uniformly across all clients, that is something <clears throat> that, of course, cannot be done if you do everything customized. And of course, you, you need a standardized process of not only the project, but of course, also the collecting of the data. And that really creates what they called it IP. And when I talk about IP, I quickly land uh, with consultancies talking about software. And I think that you must have that somewhere on your list. Yeah, I was going to I was going to come to that. So <laughs> the, the next question I actually had was, OK, so now we've bought the reasons for why we should standardize from you. Right. We've heard about it makes the sale easier, mm -hmm. obviously makes the delivery, deliver the delivery easier. Sorry, it, it enables better hiring training and through that or in and the non also an, an, yeah exactly yeah. It enables you to somewhat uncouple the revenue growth from the headcount growth which is very nice and yeah then we, we heard about the exit but so let's say i'm the tax advisory guy. we don't have to do taxes because that's probably not your industry but let's say mm -hmm. i have i don't have a standardized 
offering just yet. How would I go about it? And and maybe to set us off, you already alluded to it saying that when you start out, you typically cast a wider net, do all kinds of works, or there is a variety and that's okay, right? You said it took takes two years or more and it doesn't go overnight. But what are some of the steps maybe you would... Um, yeah, it was a path. Anticipate, yeah. Towards a standardized yeah, the, the, the discussions I'm having all the time is that, yes, look, but we cannot start um, productizing with our clients. And then actually my response to that is, no, you can't. Maybe here and there, components of the work that you're doing, but when you're in a client and it's a it's an existing or a current client and you are there already for a long period and all of a sudden saying, and now we have standardized <laughs> everything and price go up, goes up. <laughs> yeah, they won't buy it. Yeah. That, yeah, they won't buy that. So you have to be careful in what you do, but an existing client definitely is like a pilot environment where you can test and try things and you can involve the client also in that. So I have kind of guided a few consultancies in that direction to more pilot and validate certain processes that client was actually happy to join in on to get engaged in to see how yeah what kind of outcomes and results and so on and so forth but let's say bluntly saying now we start working in a different way that doesn't work so that productization actually is done client new client by new client so the best way to do it is to have your play garden to test and pilot and validate and then move that into your new client environment that's how you approach yeah. it in the best possible way okay well, that's clear enough and i think Ash, that's the interesting point there when we discussed yeah. before we switched the mics on is that has some implications for the marketing as well right because definitely um, probably means you need to cast a wider net i'm not saying attract just anyone with a budget you still want to stick probably with certain guardrails, you know, I mean, a it's... bit narrower than just your expertise, but that's how you start. And then like, I think Luke, the implication of what you said is once you've found some things, so or we have standardized the service, the job becomes now find new clients willing to buy just that, not time and materials, not extras, not, you know, 15 additions and subtractions from the thing, but the standardized offering. So you can build the client base that runs on the or through the or whatever. The, I mean, the also, if looking at it, probably it's essentially a, can you map it to an existing buyer journey that we have? Because you do constant wider net and then you can identify or B, do you need to create a new parallel journey? Yeah. That way we Copy. can like, then we can, while we cast a wide net, we do need to have specific points of entry. And that's, this is pretty much how we end up doing it. So, I guess it's standardizing in two ways. Yeah, it's it's actually sale. both, or it's either or. In most of the cases, there is always some of it on both sides. You cast a bit wider, but it's all about, okay, wh where are we investing in? What is our target audience? What's the ICP? And what are the like prototypical <clears throat> pain points of that ICP? And how will we then approach that as a consultancy? And that, that, of course, is a step-by-step -step process that takes a while. And But I would, from the outset, I would always start thinking immediately, and that's one of the mistakes that I have made in the past, is that 
from the outset, you don't think about the next steps. You just go in there and you start doing the stuff. And then all of a sudden you get all kinds of difficult questions from clients and objections and you forgot about gathering the data and you don't do training of your new people in the in a standardized and so on and so forth. So I would say my advice always is start there from the very beginning. And that doesn't mean that you will have a productized service from the beginning, but you will go there. It's a journey. Yeah, I think that's all, that's almost like the, the, the takeaway I'd, I'd yeah. like to emphasize for listeners because I really like the thing to say, it'll take two years and it's okay as long as we are deliberate about it and yeah. and push in that direction. Yeah. And yeah, don't get lost, like you said, in the hectic database, yeah. selling whatever to whomever. And then two years later, we still didn't see any patterns and have Indeed, not that's what you say. Specific. It's about yeah. being deliberate about it yeah. Yeah. instead of running a consultancy in an ad hoc uh, way. So just going with the flow. Yeah. Which that temptation is always there because, you know, it pays, right? There's always yeah. people offering you money to do what they think you should be doing. And the job is not to step into that trap, but keep to, to keep working towards yeah. what you want to be doing. Because yeah. then we maybe get into the whole marketing thing, because if you say we, uh, you, uh, you ask and we, we, we then play the game, whatever you like. I mean, from a marketing point of view, these days is not the smartest thing that you can do. No, no. Because as I, and I think as both of us have already said many times before, the marketing laws won't work if you're all over the place. Yeah, that's true. And also, and I I recently came to this perspective that uh, the older I get, the more I lose patience with people who say, oh, marketing doesn't work, or they insist on the cast the broadest possible net because otherwise we are losing revenue. You you write about this as the fear of missing out, right? The form of nominating consulting. I'm, I'm rapidly losing patience with this because what it actually means is, the, the way I look at it is, your marketing as as a your consulting firm's marketing, what it actually does is it realizes your strategy in the marketplace. Right? Mm-hmm. As a business leader, you have a strategy for the firm, but now you need to tell the market public about it for it to manifest. So that's what your marketing does. It has this communications mm-hmm. function. And if you disregard it or say, oh, or it doesn't no, don't just communicate my strategy. Also tell them we do anything else. What you're essentially saying is I'm not convinced by my own strategy, right? You're, you're sort of disrespecting your own plans and deliberations at the very moment when the time has come to step up and say it in public. And it's an understandable reflex, I think. It's a very human thing to do to get a little bit scared, but you have to push through and say it regardless. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. I mean, why, you have to why even have the strategy in the first place? Yeah. yeah. You're not believing in what you do, what the hell are you going to sell? Like if you can't sell without knowing and trusting your product, that is essentially the first thing there. True. And I think that the, so people really need to realize, and that's probably good that you're losing patience there, but so people need to realize that the, we live in a very competitive consulting industry. So it has been much more difficult to to differentiate what we are doing. So you better get your act together. And also I would say collaborate with marketing or with people with marketing expertise to define and to decide and to position yourself in the market in the right way. And then to leverage that throughout your process and your marketing 
because at the end of the day, marketing is helping us to build, as I always say, trust and visibility at scale. Yeah. And if we don't have that, then it becomes extremely difficult these days. There's so much noise. And of course, with all the chat GPT and AI stuff that is now popping up everywhere, it becomes even more difficult. So you better get your act together. Yeah, yeah. I 100% agree. And I, I like to maybe you round out and then we have one last question for you because we're almost at time. I'm slightly over, but never mind. The I wanted to say that what you said is true, and it starts with, I believe, it starts. It doesn't start with the marketing. Some people believe this when we talk about differentiation. They think, oh, I got to make their website purple, right? Mm -hmm. Because all my market competitors are blue or green. No, it start like differentiation can start with the standardization of a service and the shaping of a method or approach which is slightly different. And because you can, like I like to say, you have stacking differentiators. You have a slightly different process. You have a slightly different way of talking about it. You find a slightly different way of putting it in front of people. And yes, then you can even make the website purple. Why not, right? And the end result of the sum total of that then is a differentiated proposition. But sorry, before we let you go, Luke, you mentioned software and, and you're right, it's in my notes because I, of course, right? You see. <laughs> people are always jealous of the margins. Software is always jealous of the cash flows of consulting or so I read somewhere. But let, let's say a firm has standardized stuff to a, extensive degree and they're like all right bring some developers in we could turn this into a SaaS tool or whatever mm -hmm. should they do it yeah well i have been in those discussions several times already and i've seen a few disasters there so okay if i were uh, a consultancy head and the process that was standardized let's say over a period of two years, three years, I don't know. And there is a an opportunity to produce or to build software with that specific expertise, then I would never ever sell that as a consultancy, as a software and put it, I don't know, in the market. I wouldn't, I, I have one client who gave it away for, I don't remember, 1500 of 2000 euro and so the client had access to their software and so they sold eight yeah and then i think you sold your soul you sold your expertise and you're now cannibalizing your consultancy so it's that is stupid <laughs> sorry mm -hmm. to say it's naive yeah. maybe and stupid um and of course, the other way around is that you say, ah, oh, we have a software here. Let's now get a few uh, developers together and we we create a SaaS software, as you said, and we will sell that in the market, maybe spin it off. And so the experience there is that if you don't go all the way like a startup would do it with a lot of capital and then fast scaling, validating, uh, minimal viable product and validating then scaling it like hell, then it doesn't work. And a lot of consultants have tried that in a somewhat hybrid uh, approach, not really startup, not really like building a propriety thing for themselves, but somewhere in between and didn't work. Hmm. So it's either or. You either keep it for yourself to make your uh, standardization more effective, faster, better, deeper, whatever you call it, or you scale it in the startup way and then you spin it off and you put it in a startup and you get the capital 
for not selling eight or maybe 500, but uh, 10,000, which is a different business model. Yeah. No, I agree. I, agree. I mean, I, I haven't seen as much in that space, but I'd also say if, if you start selling software, you're essentially leaving the consultancy category. And like you said, it's a different business model. Yeah. And th that means that all the fundamentals become very different. For example, if you have a software product that you can sell, there's cheaper sales forces to get than very expensive consultants, right? Which is how you sell consulting services. You have seller doers who are out there. They're very expensive because they're good at what they do. And then they also deliver the work once they've landed it, right? That's not how a software company grows its business. So, so yeah, very two different models. And it's just common sense should probably tell us that it will be very difficult, if not impossible, to do all of it at the same time, either in a mixed model or with, I mean, if you can run two separate companies at the same time, great for yeah. you. But so I if you're not planning to, uh, as you said, I, I like that. If you're not planning to leave the consulting category, then keep it for yourself and use it as a propriety approach or call it a propriety software. Maybe if you think of exiting one day or creating uh, expensive IP, then go ahead and keep it for yourself to improve your consultancy quality and your expertise and your reputation in the market. So, but yeah, first of all, don't give it away for a little money to a few clients because then you're cannibalizing and you're selling your soul or if you really want to do um, it in the startup way, then you have to leave the consulting category. It's a nice description. Actually, I like it. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. And feel free to steal that. With that, you have, you've answered all my questions, Luke, about the standardization of services and how, how to go about it, where to take it, why, and why not to start selling software once you've done it. Ash, if you, do you have any further no, questions I... for Luke? I believe we, you know, you've covered most of my questions and made comments in between. So I think we should be good at this point. Yes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna save ourselves the recap here. Luke, thank you very much for taking the time. You're to very welcome. Where can people find more from you, or maybe even more about this topic? How can they reach you, basically? So yeah, I'm actually rewriting. I I wrote several articles on productization, but I've just unpublish them <laughs> and i will right. write a new one in the coming days so people can always find me the visible authority.com and then my blog and there are a lot of articles there and productization will be one of them in i think the coming few days all right so then your article will be out before this podcast so we will we'll put all of that in the show notes yeah. And with that, I think thanks. I can say thank you again, Ash. Thank you. And all the listeners, thanks for listening. I'm going to stop the recording here and yeah. wish everybody a nice rest of the week. Good. Bye-bye. Uh, Speak soon. Thanks for listening to Unbillable Hours. If you want more, tune in next week. You know where to find us. 